Our gospel reading today is from uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 to 34, and it's put in your bulletin if you want to follow along. To prepare ourselves to hear these words, let us pray. O God of love and life, open our hearts and allow us to hear these ancient words in a new way as if hearing them for the first time. Amen. Now, when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So the man went with Jesus, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians, had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhage stopped. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, who touched me? He looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
So for our second reading, the story continues. Remember that the woman with the hemorrhage has just been healed. So while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house, that is Jairus's house. They said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Jesus allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people wailing, weeping loudly. When Jesus had entered, he said to them, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, just sleeping. They laughed at him. So he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in to where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha, come, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk around. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly told them, no one should know about this. And then he told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. In the town of Lourdes, nestled in the French Pyrenees, there is a grotto and then an elaborate kind of worship center celebrated for miracles of healing. There's a story about a World War II veteran with an amputated leg. He went up day, one day up to the shrine for prayer. And as he hobbled up to the shrine, a bystander said, poor man, does he think God will give him back the leg? Well, the veteran heard the remark and replied, no, sir, I don't expect God to give me back my leg. I'm going to pray to God to help me live without it. The story reminds me of A.J. Must. Some of you might remember that word. He was a congregational pastor who was a strong pacifist during the, world, the Vietnam War days. He would stand, among other of his activities, he would stand night after night holding a candle in front of the White House with a sign that said, end our war. Well, one passerby went and scoffed at him and said, do you really think you can end the war by change, sorry, do you really think you can change the war by standing here? Oh no, replied Must. I stand here so that the war does not change me. So that the war does not change me. So in these two stories, there is no cure 
is there? But there's healing. There's healing. To cure is a singular action, but to heal is a process. To cure is something that is done for you, but healing requires participation. The fact of cure tends to separate body from soul. Healing always, always embraces the whole, involves both. Cure offers what is. Healing offers what might be. Cure ignores grief, but healing, healing assumes grief. So it would seem at first glance that our reading today is about cure. Indeed, there were two instant cures, right? After all, a woman's affliction was lifted and a child was raised from the dead. But if Jesus simply cured people in his ministry, nothing would ever change. Jesus might have then be relegated to a faith healer and become a footnote in history. No, Jesus didn't just go about curing. Jesus was about healing. He showed us over and over that simple cure, that is removal of the problem, these do not help issues of fear, healing issues of faith. So the story we heard actually begins in fear. It is mid-afternoon when Jesus gets off of his boat near Capernaum. He has already that morning been driven out of a land of the Gerasenes because he had expelled demons from a deranged peasant and set those demons into a herd of swine who then ran off the cliffs and drowned in the lake. The people drove him out because they were afraid. Well, some of the pig farmers might have been angry that their pigs went over the cliff. But basically, they were afraid. They did not know what to do with such power, with such authority. And so they ran him out of town. So Jesus had traversed the Sea of Galilee already. When he got out of the boat, he's confronted by yet another crowd. And fear is also evident in that crowd. A distraught father who happened to be a prominent local figure, pushes to the front of the crowd and he begs Jesus to come to his house because his daughter is dying and he is afraid. He must have been afraid because it's rather astonishing that an esteemed religious leader would demonstrate so much trust in another religious leader whom his fellow Jews were plotting to kill. Yeah, he was desperate. But his fear was tempered, or at least accompanied by faith. 
You know, there is no hesitancy in Jairus's plea. He had no if. If you can do it, would you help me? No. He rushes forward in his fear and his desperation and exhibits the first sign towards healing, some faith. He absolutely believes that Jesus can help his daughter. So Jesus agrees. But on the way, pressed in by the crowd, Jesus feels a pull at the hem of his robe, and he feels power being drawn from him. He stops and finds more fear. He finds a despairing, desperate woman clinging to his robe. She had crawled through the crowds, hoping to be invisible because she probably shouldn't have been there in that crowd. She had endured 12 years of menstrual hemorrhaging, 12 years of being sick, 12 years of being shunned and outcast and unclean. She was afraid of being discovered. But she had some sort of faith, some sort of willingness, when she touched even his robe, she was cured. The disease went away. But it wasn't simply a zap of fitness. It was a transformation of spirit, a restoration to her community. Her faith had overcome her fear. And she was rewarded. So remember in the story... Jesus, oh, sorry, Jairus was standing there impatient. He, he was upset. He needed Jesus to come with him, right? He'd already heard some report that his daughter had already died. But Jesus is calm. Jesus says, let faith deal with your fear. Don't be afraid, he says, just believe. Later, Jesus said again to Jairus, do not fear, only keep on believing. And then Jesus goes to the house and indeed restores life as he took the little girl by the hand and invited her to rise up. Two different petitioners very different circumstances, very different stations in life, very different things at stake. And yet Jesus treats them both with equal attention. Jesus doesn't take one over the other. It's both and. It's both and. He says to both, your faith has made you well. The Greek word that is used is sezo. It refers in the Greek to both physical and spiritual deliverance, and Mark certainly seems to mean both. Your faith has healed you, made you whole, says some translations, saved you, says another translation. 
It's the same faith that we saw in the grateful leper when 10 were healed, but only one gave thanks. It's the same faith of the Roman centurion who spoke up for his servant. It's the faith of the Syrophoenician women who, woman who pleaded for her daughter despite all odds. And remember the man at the pool of Bethsaida? He was asked, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? Do you? such an important question. Do you want it? Are you ready for it? Because Jesus seems to say we have to seek this. We have to open ourselves up to it. It's not the zap of a cure. It's something different. Jesus is not simply about curing illness. He is about healing the soul. It's soulistic care. So like most passages in the Bible, there's no reason to read it unless it has a message for us today. I, I think this passage it's the very best, very right passage for these days in these times right now. Illness happens. Our world is full of illness, whether it's chronic life-threatening disease or debilitating grief or a series of character defects and guilts and bad choices and fears that get in the way of our own faith and growth whether it is physical or spiritual or, yes, political. The woman's dreadful, desecrating illness might be our own. Jairus's fear and horror and helplessness might be our own reactions to political chaos in this country. <laughs> Perhaps the 12 years of the woman's illness or Talitha's own age of 12 represent our own 12 months of dismay and disbelief and horror and now despair as our country seems to discard implicit human rights and compassionate decency and civil discourse and cooperative government and respect for the global community. I do not have to detail for you the national or global trajectory. The lesson is that if we look for a quick cure, if we want something to change immediately, we miss the purpose. Cure changes nothing. Cure encounters mystery as a challenge for understanding and debunking, but healing encourages mystery as a channel for meaning. Cure rejects death and views it as defeat. But healing can include death among the blessed outcomes of care. Cure might be a relief, but healing imbues meaning and purpose and, yes, hope. Cure happens to you. Healing happens with you, with us. 
Don't you think there was some healing beginning in yesterday's national demonstrations and marches against immigration family policies? A cure for this tragedy is still to be determined, but healing has already begun because we are in it together. We are claiming something bigger than the circumstances. Jesus tells us over and over, all is not what it seems. Despite all odds, a woman is restored to community and a child is woken and raised. And the language of the story indicates that she is changed. The word used for this child was one that is, is, indicates little girl at first. But when Jesus says, Talitha kum, Talitha is a word that means young lady. So even there, healing has changed her, just as it changed the hemorrhaging woman, and just as it changed Jairus, and just as it changed all the gathering crowds. Jesus echoes the truth over and over. In the end, it will all be well. And if it isn't, then it isn't the end. Our faith will make us well. Life happens. Faith has little to do with what happens to us. Faith has everything to do with how we handle what happens to us. Because in the end, healing, healing is up to God. Healing is a gift from the holy. And what we are to do is recognize and receive. Because the Holy Spirit is continually at work in each of us, pushing us towards wholeness. The process of healing is like removing sticks and leaves from a stream until the water runs clear. If we simply get out of the way of God's work in us, we can trust that we are being led to the very particular kind of wholeness that God wills for us. And very often the result of that healing is increased faith in God and then a new empowerment to love and serve in this world. So Henry Nouwen writes, hardly a day passes in our lives without our experience of inner and outer fears, anxieties, apprehensions, and preoccupations. These powers have pervaded every part of our world to such a degree that we can never fully escape them. Still, it is possible not to belong to these powers. Not to belong to these powers. Not to build our dwelling place among them, but to choose the house of love and the house of hope as our home. The choice is made not just once and for all, but by living a spiritual life, praying at all times and thus breathing God's breath. Through the spiritual life, we gradually move from the house of fear to the house of love. We move from simple cure to healing. May it be so. Amen.